While living overseas, I've learned that the bachelor's degree, the degree my family paid thousands and thousands of dollars for me to get, is a uniquely American beast. For example, at British universities, if you want to study a subject, you study the subject. That's it. But me, I got a bachelor's degree in film and television, and to get that, sure, I had to take some classes on film and television, but that was only about half of it. I also had to take physics and poetry, logic and religion, even karate, bowling, badminton, and racquetball. My lowest grade in college is the C plus I got in bowling. A C plus in bowling. How did I earn a C plus in bowling? Well, on the final, the instructor graded us based on our score for one final game. And based on her bowl sideways like you're shaking hands technique, I never broke a hundred. So did I fail? Or did she? It, it, it was me. I, I failed when I took bowling in college. I got one other grade that low, and that was in the two years I had to take of German. You may ask me, in my pursuit of a degree in video editing and television production, which class required the most of me, the most time and effort? And I would have to answer, German. German took the largest amount of work for the lowest grade. It's such a weird system, the bachelor's programs. Like they, they make you just take the weirdest sampling of every other subject they can think of in order to, I don't know, kill the time or more likely take more of your money. And I think for professors, that must be really hard. You've worked really hard to master your subject, and then you like have a bunch of students in your class who don't want to study your subject at all and just need a grade. That has to do something to your psyche. Because of all the insane people I've encountered in my life, a shockingly high percentage of them have been college professors. Now, the college that I went to had a famous physics professor. Like, everyone on campus knew his name, and he was a kind and sweet man, but also, forgive me, maybe, a little crazy. Because he regularly had classes of 200 people with no interest in physics, just there to check a box. And instead of trying to draw them in, make physics interesting or palatable, his strategy was to teach as far over their heads as he possibly could. He treated every day like a goodwill hunting scenario, where he put an impossible problem in front of 200 people, hoping someone would rise to the top and get it. And no one ever did, so he graded on a curve so steep that no parking brake ever stood a chance. No exaggeration, getting half of one of his multiple choice tests correct, that's 50%, could earn you a high B. But it was the English department that seemed to be ground zero for crazy. I had one professor there who was deeply obsessed with poetry and could make these wild interpretations of poems, pulling meaning out of seemingly nowhere, and he insisted that we be able to do the same. Okay, that might actually sound like a normal poetry class and I'm just ignorant, but I will never forget the day that he spent 45 minutes, 45 minutes, lecturing on the first line of the poem Kubla Khan by the poet Coleridge. Now, 45 minutes on one line, it must be a, a gripping line, a deeply emotional and meaningful line, right? Well, the first line is, In Xanadu did Kubla Khan. Five words, three of them names, 45 minutes. And after about 
30 minutes after telling us a very confusing story about once being visited by a literal glowing light while reflecting on these five words, he said something that I will never forget, something that legitimately changed the course of my life forever. He said, I meditated on these five words for 25 years, but after 20 years, I noticed the word in. Now what does in mean? And then he went on to talk about the word in for an impressively long time. But in that moment, I knew, I knew it was time for me to drop out of the honors program. And so I did. Well, I got to the end of my fourth year, just lacking the credits to graduate. So summer school it was. And just to make sure that I had learned all that I could about film history and production, I had to take another English class. This professor was no poetry nut, but he loved books, good, solid books, and also the word literally, back before it was cool, and also anger. He just loved some deep, unsettling anger whose source we never quite uncovered. But boy, did he love to express it, not with yelling, really, or violence, just with words, angry, angry words. So here are three of his classics, each delivered with the same inexplicable level of rage and intensity, as if he was not a professor trying to stir undergraduates into a passion for good literature, but instead a 90s movie European villain with a tragic backstory getting ready to kill his own henchman for failing him. Snippet number one. It has been said that if you remove the works of William Faulkner from the canon of English literature, that the world will collapse. And I tell you, it's true. If you were to remove the works of William Faulkner from the canon of literature, the entire universe would literally collapse instantly. Now he said this in a tone that suggested that he knew that someone in the room was actively working at that very moment right in front of him to permanently remove Faulkner from the canon of literature, but I just don't remember that happening. Maybe I didn't notice. Snippet number two. None of you should ever come up to me and ask me what church I go to. That is literally the most offensive question you can ask someone, and you will not dare ask me. Okay, so I guess uh, Presbyterian then, right? I kid, I kid. Snippet number three my personal favorite. I went to a football game once and sat in the faculty section. In front of me was an elderly professor and his wife. After each play, the wife would look at him and say, now why did they do that? And the husband would say, well, they could either pass or they could run. And they decided to pass because they thought they could make it. And on the next play, again, she would ask, now why did they do that? And again, he'd say, well, they could either pass or they could run and they decided to run because they thought they could make it. And I wanted to tap them both on the shoulder and say, neither of you understands a single thing about football, and you have no right to be in this stadium. Get out now and never come back. Charming. Yeah, very rational. In short, American colleges are fascinating places. 
where you have to study all manner of things unrelated to the thing that you're there to study. And you're allowed to be insane in all manner of ways, as long as you're smart. I wonder if they're hiring. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and I hope you enjoyed those memories of mine from my college days. So obviously, that's going to be the question of the week. If you have funny memories of strange professors or strange things happening at your university, I would love to hear those and read a couple of them next week on the show. So the email for that, once again, is storiesandstuffwithjohn at gmail.com. Storiesandstuffwithjohn at gmail.com. Now, last time I asked you to send in your thoughts on what's been making you laugh recently, and we got some great feedback. I'm going to read a couple of those. Andrea told a story about when she was a kid, and she and her sisters would also make recordings, similar to what I did, which gave me the idea for the name of this podcast. Um, and their favorite thing to do was to pretend to be vacuum cleaner saleswomen, which would make them laugh to no end. I would love to hear those if she has them. Maybe we can play them on the show. Um, Penny says two words, what makes her laugh, Sean Dunn. And uh, I actually know Sean Dunn, and yes, he's a very funny guy. So if you ever find him, walk up to him and say, hey, say something funny. People love that. Um, Kara says a couple of things. Her family has been enjoying a BBC radio show called Cabin Pressure. They listen through it three to four times as a family in the car. And she also uh, sent a link to a playlist on Spotify of Clean Comedy, which I can put in the show notes. Um, Lindsay says that the other day she was having trouble getting her son to let, um, let her cut his hair. She felt like the hairstyle really needed some work, and she just kept telling him, it's just not good, trust me, and that wasn't working. So out of desperation, she frantically Googled Dorothy Hamill, shoved the phone in his face, and that seemed to do the trick. If you remember the Dorothy Hamill haircut, uh, probably not a pretty sight on a, on a young boy. <laughs> and the thought of his face when he saw that has been making her laugh. Thanks for sending those in. Please send in some of your favorite stories from strange college professors. I'd love to read some of those. Uh, lastly, before we go, as I promised, we would start from time to time having guests on the show. And today I do have my first guest. I want you to welcome Luke. Say hi. Hello. Um, so I just wanted to talk to Luke about a couple of things, and then he's going to share what's been making him laugh recently, since that, since that was last week's feedback. So, um, Luke, you are um, have gone back to school recently, is that right? That is correct. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about, about that? What caused that? What, what brought that on? And what are you studying? Yes. So I'm getting my MBA um, through Baylor University, and... Basically, the impetus for that was I looked forward to my next kind of 10, 15 years in my career and realized I needed to get a master's de degree of some kind. And the MBA seemed the most uh, generalist because I'm not really sure where I want to end up. And through talking to my bosses and talking to other people, that really seemed like the best option. And I've really loved it, even though my job, which is doing IT support, isn't always a business focus. Um, I feel like I've really gained a lot of more understanding about the things happening in the world. Uh, I've been able to talk to my children when they ask questions and have a lot more insight about why things are happening when they hear it on the radio, like why the stock market's going up or down. Um, and that's been really fun. Okay, so uh, sort of like best case scenario, what do you hope comes out of this? What are you hoping to find? You know, where are you hoping to be in a couple of years? 
That is a really good question. Um, in a couple of years, I think my hope is that the position I have, which right now manages about 20 students, I would love to see that increased to more students and maybe um, staff underneath me to increase our help desk. The kind of long-term vision um, I kind of gave myself three years ago when I started at Baylor was, okay, I have to be here 20 years to get my kids through school. Where do I want to be in 20 years? And I have this picture of I want to be able to be in a position to be the president of a university. Now, being president doesn't requires a whole lot of luck and God opening doors. But I was like, I need what steps do I take? What positions do I need to have? What schooling do I need to have? So that's kind of helped guide me. Um, whether or not I get that job will determine be determined later on. So you're after power. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, that's my goal. Okay, smart, smart. Uh, so you've been in the program, what, three years, you said? Well, I've been at Baylor for three years working. I just started this semester. Okay. What's been the hardest thing about doing it so far? Well, I have a family with three kids. I work full-time, my wife works full-time, and my class is in Austin. And so every Monday I'm driving down to Austin, and I would say that by far, just taking one day every week and being gone for half a day um, is definitely the hardest part. So in those moments when it feels difficult, um, what keeps you going? What, what makes you still do it? You know, for me, um, a lot of my life, it's the people around me that have been a huge motivation. And when I think about, um, I have a, another guy actually at Baylor going with me and we ride together. And through the our car rides back and forth, we've had a lot of talks about why we're doing this. And Part of that has been we've really encouraged each other, um, and the times where it's gotten hard, we get to kind of be that motivation. And so thinking about not wanting to leave him, but also just looking at my family, and I want my kids to see me starting something and finishing something. And that, to me, is a, a really important thing. Wow, that's awesome. So one thing I know about Luke is that he does like to laugh. He's a really funny guy. Um, so, Luke, what's been making you laugh recently? <laughs> oh, man, I love laughing. Um Daily, I'm laughing with my students. That is probably one of the best parts of my job is my student workers. They're all in college, and they always are bringing ridiculous situations that are just hilarious to kind of listen and to how they're walking it out. Um, specifically, though, a friend of mine recommended a comedian to me that I'd never heard of, but apparently a lot of people have, called Nate Bargatze. Oh, my gosh. He's awesome. And I'm not even sure if I'm saying his name right, but... No, that's right. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Um, he's hilarious for multiple reasons. One, he's clean, so I can watch it with my family. Uh, but also just the way he tells stories, you you get into it. And even though you might be able to know where it's going, he always ends it in a way that just you're like relate to it and still laugh at it. And in particular, he has this one story where he's multiple times gone to Starbucks and he's ordered an iced coffee with milk and the barista gave him a glass of iced milk, which was not what he wanted. And he's pretty sure that's not anything anyone would order. But yet it happened to him twice. And the fact that it continues to happen just really tickled him. And it tickled me because I've thought about how many times I've ordered something at a Starbucks, gotten it wrong. And just him being able to tell that story in a way that was so engaging, I, I just love it. Uh, I actually really like Nate Bargatze as well. He has this whole story about getting in a fight uh, with his wife in the middle of the night over whether or not dog medicine um, can expire and just the way he tells the story is pretty amazing and she's he's like we don't know anyone at a dog medicine factory how do you even know that but it, that's awesome I love that <laughs> uh, and Luke's great as well thanks for coming on the show um, next week we'll have Nate Bargatze I think no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, if only yeah um, so thanks awesome thank you 
and thank all of you for tuning in. I really, really do appreciate it. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Next time, uh, we'll be doing a story about a time when I believe that the devil spoke to me. Tune in for that. We'll see you then.